1: welcome auburn into the thursday edition of sports call live on tiger 95.9 the tiger.fm and the tiger communications app my name is ryan lavoy alongside of me today is brooks childress tp hammock running the board taking your phone calls for the first hour of today's show today's show will be a shortened edition of sports call getting off air right around 4 30 this afternoon because borgard high school softball coming on the air uh, just shy of 5 o'clock this afternoon and evening so uh, we will be getting off air early because of that one. In the meantime, we will, of course, get to the orthopedic clinic phone line with all of your calls, 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free 1-889-TIGER9. We'll have birthdays and sports as always. Uh, we'll talk a little uh, maybe college football playoff format for the uh, third time this week, but because there was a little more news on what the administrators are already talking about for the future, just need a, a moment to talk a little bit about that. Uh, We'll talk a little college basketball, more upsets last night, uh, and that sort of thing. And then also, I'm sure uh, Brooks in just a second is going to say he's excited about the return of a certain something that's on ESPN right now. So, uh, again, a lot of good stuff for you here on this shortened edition of the show. Again, getting off air around 4.30 today, Ryan LaVoy, Brooks Childress with you here on this Thursday. And Brooks, uh, I already know the answer. I think you're doing quite well today. Uh, But uh, nevertheless, good to have you on the show again.
2: It's baseball. Baseball is on TV right now. Uh, I'm excited. Uh, Major League Baseball is unofficially back because spring training starts today. The Padres and the Dodgers are playing each other right now. They're going to play each other again on ESPN tomorrow. The Braves start things off on Saturday against the Tampa Bay Rays, and that's going to be on AM 1230 WAUD. It's so fun. Uh, College baseball continues to be such a, a fun sport um it's a good day uh can't wait to talk to uh, all of our callers can't wait to get into the the depths of our, our conversations today um baseball we, we got to hear from uh coach thompson and a couple players before they departed for jacksonville today as they get set for uh, a little tournament down there in jacksonville against the likes of iowa wichita state and, and virginia um uh, Bruce Pearl is, I believe, meeting with the media right now uh, ahead of the Georgia game uh, on Saturday, and so if, uh, we'll see if anything comes from uh, from those uh, those that media uh, session about uh, you know any updates on Jalen Williams or what's to come against Georgia. But it's a great day. Uh, it's a great day. Unfortunately, we get the shortened show, but it's going to be uh, we're going to pack as much sports call into an hour and a half that we can.
1: Uh, yeah, and uh, Bruce Pearl has already met with the media and uh, has already provided an update on Jalen Williams, so we will get to that in just a little bit. Uh, but I just wanted to illustrate for everyone again how truly excited Brooks Childress is for baseball. I, I just want to paint this picture for you. There was a ball hit in the first inning that was down the left field line, and it was barely fair. My guy is, like, getting down in a crouchs position <laughs> to stare at the ball to see if it's fair or foul in a game that he really does not care one way or the other about either team, and nope. it's the first game of spring training in the entire league, and that's how closely he was following it. Joe so.
2: Musgrove was pulled in the first inning with nobody out. That's how <laughs> that's how meaningless this game uh. is.
1: <laughs> so uh, it's safe to say you're very excited, and, of course, that means with the return of baseball, we'll have brave spring training coming up on our Sister Station 1230 WAUD. We'll have the preview, of course, the entire MLB season, including the Braves season, in the coming days and weeks. So we are uh, looking forward to to all that for sure. Uh, Let's start today with a conversation we've been having a little bit over the last uh, couple of days, uh, but want to continue it a little bit more today because of more revelation. Uh, So it was just a couple days ago that the college football playoff committee went ahead and finalized the new 12-team format. Uh, was going to be the 6-plus-6 with the six conference champions highest ranked and then six at large with the death of the Pac-12. They backed that down to five automatic qualifying conference champions with with seven at large. Well, there was reports already out late last night and early today from the likes of Stuart Mandel and Ross Dellinger and uh, all these guys that that cover it that they're already looking into uh, what a 14-team playoff would look like they mentioned 16 a little bit but specifically 14 and they talked about this idea of uh, multiple automatic bids for some of these leagues which we can put two and two together would be sec and big 10 maybe as many as four automatic qualifying bids for those two leagues um brooks i i think we're probably going to be on a similar page here but i let me just go ahead and start by saying Uh, let's please, for the love, see this 12-team playoff one single year before we decide what we need to do with it and decide if any other changes need to be made. And if you read Stuart Mandel in The Athletic this morning, uh, he made some pretty compelling points for why 12 teams actually makes a lot of sense numerically and and format-wise. And if you go up to 14, you know, that's the NFL model, but uh, then you're only talking about two buys and uh, it, it works there because you have two conferences and, uh, and, and just kind of the subtle differences in, in having a professional league with two distinct conferences versus having this large scope of college athletics, which is perceived to have two conferences above all the rest, but nevertheless still houses two other very relevant conferences and several others that from time to time have one or two relevant teams in the national picture. So uh, clear differences in, in scope there uh, but Brooks, I mean, your thoughts when you hear that you're already staring down the barrel of potentially uh expanding this playoff before we even play the first twelve team rendition
2: well, I mean it's the same thing with the when we got the fourteen playoffs everybody once we got the fourteen playoff, everybody was excited, and then it's like, well, why can't we have more can't can't we get more um and i I was in the that group I think that uh, four was not a you know a, a, when it gets down to it four is uh, is it's given us some good, good games and it's given us some good, uh, good ends to seasons. But I, you know, there's always been that one, you know, the one conference champion or, you know, maybe a couple conference champions that have been left out, uh, depending on the year. And so, um, I'm, you know, I, I, I've said it before on this program, I'm for the 12 team playoff. Uh, and, you know, it goes back to, and, you know, if you get up to 14, like you said, it would be uh, getting to the current NFL model, but if you remember the the old NFL model was just twelve. It was you know you didn't have that extra wild card game, um, and so I I liked that NFL playoff too. That was that was a that was a fun time where you had two you know two teams get the get the buy from each conference in the in in the NFL. You know it, it it's like you know it, it continues to be you know the the you opened it up. And it, you know, you're like, well, let's, you know, instead of just the national championship game, let's expand it. And it's just, you know, it feels like it's it's going to keep expanding um, for at least a little while, while at least while the dollars are still rolling in. Uh, will it ever get to an FCS level? Probably not. That's, you know, that that is a lot of teams um, in the for for FBS uh, level of, of play and the bowl games. I think the 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 cultures. Um, W- more willingness to stick with bowl games uh, is is probably going to drive that where it does not get too out of hand. But I think that you are, you know, want, uh, people are already starting to, the, the powers that be are already starting to see the, the effects of a 12 team playoff dollar wise with some of these contracts and everything. Um, that they're like, well, why don't we add two more teams in there and get it up to 14 and see what that, you know. I think as long as the money is there, you know, there's going to be the the willingness to try to build it more and to expand it more. I think 12 is fine. Um, I would have, you know, I would have liked uh, if they had said, hey, we're going from four to eight. I would have been like, okay, cool. Um, but, you know, going straight from four to 12, I'm fine. I, I think 12 is a is a nice size Um, after you get out of the, you know, the, the top, you know, 12 teams there, I I think, you know, you, you look at it, the conference champions, uh, ought to be in it. And then there's always a couple teams, uh, two, three, four teams that are, you know, you say, Hey, these are national championship worthy teams, but they didn't win their conference. Yeah. You know, the, the Georgia Bulldogs this past year, you, they're a team that did not win the SEC, but you put them in, a, in an extended playoff, you're like, well, they've got a chance to win it all. They've got a chance to, to go out and win, win, win a uh, national championship. Um, I think that, you know, you, you look at the at years in the past, I think that, uh, you know, going on the Auburn side of things, uh, if on Johnson is healthy, um, I, I think that that Auburn team from 2017 that ended up losing to Georgia in the SEC title game and then losing to UCF, I think they, you know, if Kerryon Johnson's healthy, um, I, I think that there that's a team that can uh, that could have competed and, and won at least a game in, the, in a expanded playoffs. so there's always teams that you look at and you say hey they didn't win their conference champion so I think it needs to be a little bit bigger than just letting the conference champions in but after you get to that 12 spot then you're starting to go does a 14th ranked you know, uh, Mississippi state team really deserve to be in there like it, it they've got three losses there they, that's when I think you really and I know you know some of our callers have, have argued uh less teams than than 12 deserve to be in there but I think once you get past that 12 and you you start down the list there of you know 15 ranked a team ranked 15th or a team ranked you know 18th that's when you're starting to get to the point where it's like I don't know if this team can realistically compete for a national title.
1: Well, and look, I've, I've long been in favor of an expansion from the four, um, really at the moment of conception, but um, you do have to understand the dynamic of football is different than the dynamic of these other sports. Mm. And, you know, it just it, it gets harder to come up with how teams so far down the line would be able to fare decently against these other teams a, from the standpoint of you feel pretty confident they're not as good, but then also B, with football being how it is, look, there are plenty of upsets. We know them well and then and, and they happen. But uh, I think that if everyone follows football the way they do, or follows basketball and baseball the way they do football, I think everyone would admit and see how different the dynamics are. Where you have utter chaos in basketball right now. I mean, you you go on the road as a top twenty-five team, and it's almost good luck. You you're almost favored to lose to an unranked team at the, at the home, and that because that physicality, the teams are just more physically gifted, uh, better coached, and that sort of thing. There's not as many guarantees in the sport of basketball. There's not as many guarantees in the sport of baseball as there is in football. Where if you're if you're stronger than the guy you're lining up across from, nine times out of ten, you're going to block him into Middle Earth, like you're or you're going to at least uh, have your correct assignment. You're going to do your job better than he will do his job. Uh, and same thing with speed and, and arm talent and, and these, these physical measurables help you immensely more in the game of football than they do in basketball and baseball. Baseball, you can have a 280-pounder that hits less home runs than a 180-pounder because it's about uh, point of contact and hand-eye coordination and all that good stuff, launch angle, blah, blah, blah. So anyway, I sell that to say, it's not as simple as just throwing thirty-two or sixty-four teams one day into it and saying "have fun." You're going to have so many blowouts with the you won't have these one sixteen seed stuff because if you filled it out sixty-four teams, you're not about the number sixty-four team in the country having to go on the road to the one seed. Like, I mean, good lord, what would be the point of that? I guess I would say the point of a bigger playoff is to kind of protect against any biases that don't need to be in place giving us the opportunity to see the entire scope of the country and making sure that we have the best teams making sure that you know there can be more than one team in one conference that's truly elite and truly a top three or four team and making sure that you know the smaller conference team does have at least one opportunity to prove hey they would have been good against no matter who they played that year didn't matter What conference they would have been in. So you do have to allow for those possibilities. That's why we needed an expanded playoff. But to go at it to an even bigger scale without even seeing what a 12 team does, because look, what if there are a million blowouts? What if there are, you know, again, what if there is so few opportunities or so few instances where these other teams even make a game of it that you say, why would you add more to it? Because there's a situation where. Again, I, I've said I, I wanted to see this bigger playoff, but if this playoff works a certain way, I won't, I won't say that we should just stay at 12 for the hell of it. There could be a smaller number that would make sense to me too, but I appreciate trying to, again, get the scope right of the entire country, not just one or two conferences. So that's why I've been on board with this. But I, I reserve the right to watch this thing for three or four years, and then if we see 80% of the games blow out, say, nope, take it back down, take it back down. So – to go try to get bigger before we even see it, and then to guarantee, and look, this one might be a little more controversial, but to try to guarantee one conference, no matter who that conference is, four or five spots, um, regardless of what conference is, I think is foolish because while the SEC has been awesome for 20 years now or more, while the Big Ten has been consistent with its top teams for a while, Things do change over time. And I guess you would adapt to it and you would change the rules again and again and again. But I'm not guaranteeing the fourth best team in a conference for sure that they're a top 12 team. You know, that that is that is getting to where that scope is unnecessary. If you you can play to a certain level, and it might be that four or five teams deserve it. And that will happen sometimes. There will be times where the SEC and Big Ten will get their four or five teams in. And if they deserve it, fine. But don't guarantee it to where if my fourth team is eight and four or nine and three, but they're they haven't beaten any top twenty-five teams. Like that doesn't need to be a guarantee mm. at that point. So I don't like the guarantees going beyond the champion of a conference, uh, because then it just rewards the again a bias. It rewards a perception coming into it that this conference clearly is so much better than these other conferences that there's no room. For the fact that the fourth or fifth best team in this conference might actually not be better than the second or third best team in another conference, and then there's not room for everybody, so that's another part to it that I I do not want any part of is having four teams. No matter what the league, SEC is going to be fine. Yeah, like like I would tell these conference commissioners, they're going to be fine. They're trying to guarantee themselves more money by guaranteeing a certain amount of slots in the in the in the dance. But they're going to get it year in, year out anyway as long as the teams and the programs continue the way they've been continuing for the last 20 years. So I, I I don't see why you have to guarantee it and make it a matter of fact rather than saying, okay, we allow for the possibility that the conferences around us will also get better and that you have a reason to be competitive all the conferences up and down the
2: lineup, but, yeah, it, it's so we're we're going to a five plus seven. So the five highest ranked conference champions, and then the seven at large. Seven at large. So this year, I'm you know I'm I'm going to look at the final rankings of of this. Uh, you wouldn't have had a group of five team in there because the five highest-ranked conference champions were Michigan, Washington, Texas, Georgia, and Florida State. Right. So that would have been all-power five in there. Obviously, we're taking out a power five conference next yeah. year with Pac-12. And so if you're, uh, you you take that out, let's say this isn't last year, SMU would have been the next one up. So SMU would have been there. SMU versus Alabama in that first round, would that have been a fun game to watch? No. The rest of the slate, though, would have had uh, you would have had Arizona, uh, versus Florida State, you would have had Ohio State-Oregon, and you would have had Ole Miss-Missouri. Those are all fun games. Th- you watch how yep. those teams finished out. Missouri and Ole Miss. I would in, struggle
1: to pick those games. Would, yep. when,
2: just, l- let's just look at that. The closest ranked matchup there would have been Missouri and Ole Miss ranked right next to each other at 8-9 uh, and nine in the final AP poll. Missouri handled Ohio State. Ole Miss handled Penn State. That was a fun. Those two were fun teams at the end. They didn't have a lot of opt outs, and you know, once you get in the playoffs, you hopefully you don't see a lot of opt outs anyway. When these playoff teams, um, but that was a fun game to watch. Oregon and Ohio State, Bo Nix versus an Ohio State team. That's a conference game. That would have been uh, that would have been very very fun. The the Arizona Florida State game, seeing Jed Fish's offense go up against a a pretty good Florida State defense, that would have been a fun game. Literally, the only game that would have been a wash would have been probably that SMU Alabama game. And you know, obviously, you never know on paper, or you look on paper and you say that.
1: And let me change one thing for you: it would have been SMU Georgia because Alabama won the SEC, so it would have been Georgia, and it would have been equally not fun. But yeah, (laughs) but But still,
2: that's the only fun non—that's the only game that you look at and you say, all right, you know. Cool that that y'all great season SMU but you know you, you ran into the the big dogs of the SEC there and so it's it, you those are fun matchups I could go back and I could read you the matchups every other the playoffs have been if it was a twelve team playoff um, and it's just it there there are there are enough matchups in that top you know eleven twelve teams there are top enough decent teams that you can see a team getting hot and you can see a team starting to play really good uh, really good ball. And, you know, maybe making run. And like you said, maybe we never get a twelve seed to win a playoff. Maybe, you know, the, the, the UCFs or the SMUs or the the Cincinnati's, Boises. yeah, the Boise's well Cincinnati's a power team anyway, but still, you never get them to win a win a national title. But they're in there. They've got a chance to do it. And you're you're are, you're gaining you're adding a game that maybe is a blowout to add four other games that are primetime TV football during the middle of the season that you would you would absolutely want to watch every single week.
1: We're going to go ahead and take our first time out of this shortened edition of Sports Call today. When we come back, we'll have birthdays in sports. Also, go to our orthopedic clinic phone line for the first time today. You're listening to the Thursday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9.
0: Sports Call has been on the air since 1995. This is former Auburn football player Danny Skutak, and you are listening to the Abbey Award-winning Sports Call, Auburn.
1: Welcome back to Sports Call Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy and Brooks Childress with you here on this Thursday. TP Hammock running the board and taking your phone calls. Again, a shortened edition of the show today. Getting off air right around 4.30. We will be back to having a full show tomorrow. As we continue on with this Thursday edition, let's get to today's birthdays and sports it's time for
0: today's birthdays in sports
1: got a long list today starting with chet walker returned to 84 former nba player walker played college basketball at bradley before being selected in the second round of the 1962 nba draft where he was selected by the syracuse nationals also known as the philadelphia 76ers walker went on to have a great career being a seven-time all-star and an nba champion And a member of the Chicago Bulls Ring of Honor, his number 31 was retired by Bradley. Go Braves! And in 2012, he was inducted into the Naismith Basketball Hall of Fame. Chet Walker is 84 today. Julius Irving is 74. Former NBA superstar Dr. J played college basketball at UMass. Go Minutemen! Before being selected 12th overall in the 1972 NBA Draft. But in the ABA and was dominant for making his way to the NBA, most famously playing for the Philadelphia 76ers. Irving finished his career with over 30,000 points alongside winning just about every award there is to win, including an NBA, an NBA MVP and 11-time All-Star alongside being an NBA champion. His number 6 is retired by the 76ers and his number 32 is retired by the Brooklyn Nets and UMass. Julius Irving, Doc J, is 74 today. Tommy uh, Ag is 60 today, former NFL running back uh, A.G. played high school football in Maplesville, Alabama for the Maplesville High School Red Devils before playing college football at Auburn.
2: Go Tigers. Uh,
1: he played in the wishbone alongside Bo Jackson before being selected in the fifth round of the 1987 uh, draft. He would go on to win two Super Bowls in the pros. Tommy, uh, Tommy Agee is 60 today. And Khalil Mack is 33. Current Los Angeles Charger Mack is playing or played college football at University of Buffalo. Let's go
0: Bulls!
1: Mack was then selected fourth overall by the Oakland Raiders. He has had an incredible pro career with uh, excuse me with many saying a future first ballot Hall of Famer. He's a defensive player of the year award winner and four time first team All Pro, an eight time Pro Bowler, and number uh, a member of the 2010s All Decade Team. Khalil Mack is 33 today. Cale McGarry is 29, current offensive tackle for the Atlanta Falcons. McGarry played college football at the University of Washington. Go Dogs! Where he was a two-time first-team All Pac-12 selection before being selected 31st overall in the 2019 NFL Draft. He started 76 games so far in his career. Cale McGarry is 29, and Marshawn Bostic is 22, current Auburn Tiger. We're the, Eagle for the Auburn women's basketball team. So far in her career, she has started. And 16 games for the Tigers with 8 games this season. Vosik's averaging career high 5.7 points per game. Marshawn Bossig is 22. And those are the birthdays in sports here on February the 22nd. Let's go ahead and go to the Orthopedic Clinic phone line now. 334-887-3401 locally or toll free. 1-888-9-TIGER-9 to join us on the show this afternoon. First up today. Wardam Steve, retired Wardam Steve is with us. Steve, how are you this afternoon? I couldn't
3: feel better. How are you guys doing? Doing well. All right, good to hear. So uh, I enjoyed hearing those thoughtful comments uh, from you about the uh, playoff possibilities. And well, the one I read last night, uh, apparently the source came from Pete Thamel. So, oh, here we go. But apparently there is some credibility to the fourteen team playoffs. They said it wouldn't be implemented until maybe two thousand twenty-six. Uh, I agree with you, uh, Ryan, and, Brian and Brooks, too. Hey, let's see how the 12 team works out, you know. Then we'll go to 14, maybe.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, uh, Pete Thamel, uh, I mean, I, I certainly trust his reporting. He's he's the top of the industry. But I, I think that uh, what he's saying there is, again, it's not really um, his or any of the beat writers' opinion that I'm seeing that, that are really in love with the idea, but more so this reporting that these presidents are trying to go ahead and and go forward, and, and the SEC and Big Ten in particular try to guarantee themselves more spots uh, in the playoff, which guarantees them a bigger share of the revenue. So again, it, it goes back to another money issue, and again, for the love, I would just like to see it play out a single time the way it was intended to. Yeah,
3: you know, so apparently, uh, you know, I come from a scientific background, from so major in uh, biology, and I always, you know, I was always told, you know, well, let's try this approach first and see what it reveals. It's a bad outcome, then we'll go to a different place. So, why couldn't they just? I mean, is it just money and greed, guys? They yes. just couldn't say, hey, let's see if this works out for us and, and go from there?
1: Yes. The short answer is yes. The long answer is very much so yes. <laughs> I mean, it just, I, again, it, uh, it's frustrating. I, I know the college landscape has, has changed in an accelerated rate in the last few years, and uh, accelerated change makes things more uncomfortable for all. And I think that that. Uh, lack of comfortability has uh, really made these college presidents and these universities more uh, anxious about the future. It's made them try to work quicker on issues. Uh, and we were talking at the at the table the other day before the show, just looking at how these conferences approached their TV media rights deals a few years ago, as they saw this change on the horizon, and how SEC and Big Ten. They opted for a little shorter contract that paid more money, whereas the ACC was like, "We don't know what's going to happen. Let's just get the security of a longer-term contract," which again is what has egged on Florida State and some of these teams for being really irritated. So it's very hard to win in this Mm -hmm. landscape where all these teams are trying, or all these schools are trying to make as much as they can and be prepared to play, pay all this NIL money and and that sort of thing, and everyone's just 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 about the dollar right now.
2: Okay,
3: well, moving on from there, uh, just reading on 247 Sports, um, Coach Pearl's uh, comments latest update about Jalen Williams. Apparently, it's kind of murky. He'll be traveling with them, um, but he definitely will be playing, obviously, for the Georgia game, and from there... Uh, he doesn't know, and we don't know. Is that right?
1: Yes. So uh, we were going to get to that in a little bit, but yes. Uh, oh, no, um, you're, you're I, good. I us. Scooping us, yeah. No, it's all good. Uh, it's short and show, so we got to do everything when we can, and uh, yeah, that's exactly what Coach Pearl said, uh, and that can is still consistent with. Uh, the timeline that Justin Ferguson presented to us earlier this week. I mean, there's everything's on the table from missing one or two games to only being able to play maybe the regular season finale. So uh, obviously, you got five games left for Auburn, so he can miss one or two, or he can miss three or four. But I, I do think that they expect him back at some point, uh, at least for Senior Day. Uh, worst case scenario, best case scenario, I don't, th- I don't think he's going to be able to play in the Tennessee game, but maybe the, the game after that.
3: Okay with uh, basketball. Uh, I don't know if you guys stayed up to to watch these games or not, Uh, but uh, I was overjoyed to see at the buzzer Kentucky get their comeuppance.
1: Yeah, so I um, I watched some college ball last night, but I had I had kind of checked out and I was not watching that game. And I I finally checked the score. There was 20 seconds left. Kentucky down by one. So I went and watched the last 20 seconds. And uh, Dillingham hit that uh, corner jumper. And then frantic play from LSU, not calling the timeout, almost lost the ball, blocked out of bounds, saved it right to the guy he needed to save it to, who put it up and in. And, and uh, that's the freak stuff that happens. To call it. That reminded me of a March Madness ending, honestly. That's something that happens in the NCAA tournament where you have one team think they win with a great shot and then the other team steal it at the buzzer. Well,
3: oh, it was thrilling. I uh, think it was like 10-point-something seconds and went down there, said no timeout. Oh, my God, you know, why not? You know, they had timeouts left
1: right and and that's an ongoing debate that i think everyone will always differ on is the belief that not allowing the defense to set takes precedence over calling a play from the sideline uh and i have seen several coaches act several different ways with it uh i know that bruce pearl in the past has let him play bruce pearl's called timeout before i mean coaches even themselves go go one way or the other depending on the exact situation
3: and then they tore my heart out again. I was—I I knew I should have watched the damn game. I was watching Florida lead mostly the entire damn game, and I'm watching it with a maybe three or four minutes ahead, Like a nine-point lead, I said, "Come on, Florida, you can do this." And no, they just couldn't stop Sears and Nelson. They choked again at the end. Right, guys?
1: Yeah, I mean, I—I I, I did see it. I—that I, game, I did watch most of. Um, went to overtime. Uh, yeah, it went to overtime. I would say that Florida did not make a bunch of disastrous plays that le- makes me think they blew it. Alabama, I think, went at one point five of six from three in the second half. You
3: run? Yeah, excuse yeah, that's what amazed me. When I turned it in, the announcer said that before the 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 onslaught at the end, there uh, Alabama had made no three point shots.
1: Right, and and so. Yeah, yeah they, they took and missed a lot of them in the first half. They only hit one or two in the first half. Uh, and so they really were hesitant to shoot them, which is one of the very rare times I've ever seen Alabama under Nate Oates not take a bunch of threes. But they waited about eight or nine minutes uh, into the second half to take their first three-point attempt. And then once they did, they found really good looks, and, and they made most of them. So for that, I think that uh, that's just more uh, of Alabama b- finally making some shots when they had to in that game. Um, but uh, yeah, definitely frustrating because it's not about Alabama needing to lose once; they need to lose twice. So um, they, they're at Kentucky this weekend, and they got Tennessee, then they got Ford on the road. They're gonna have to they're gonna have to lose two of those three because I don't think they're gonna lose at Ole Miss, and I certainly don't think they're gonna lose on their home floor against Arkansas. So they, there's really only three losable games for them, and it starts this weekend at Rupp. Well,
3: I'm hoping in what Tom is so. Is keen to say that it happens, and I'm hoping it'll happen more than once. Alabama, it's got to happen because it happened. It really hasn't happened to them, has it, guys?
1: Yeah, not in a long time. I mean, a, I mean, they have played just genuinely good basketball. But b, um, I mean, their last couple of games that I remember them getting scared in. I, I obviously, uh, Auburn did go and beat them, but uh, the, the Florida game they did recover well. I remember they were down at the half pretty significantly to Georgia on the road. Vanderbilt gave a scare. Um, yeah, uh, Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt hung around. I don't know if they. I don't remember them leading too late in that game. I could be wrong. That was at the beginning conference so play. Only lost,
3: I think by five points.
1: Yeah, it was a close game. So I. I guess yeah, that was a scare. But just in terms of uh, being being down late, uh, again, the Georgia game was was a was a big scare for them at half. Um, so yeah, they they've survived all these uh, again with just two conference losses: the Tennessee and Auburn on the road. Uh, so, uh, again, that's why I'm saying they have been uh, – that, that style and the way they have played, they have survived all those those close calls with lesser teams. So it's going to have to be truly good teams like Tennessee and Florida to be able to beat them.
3: So I was going to say, you and Brooks, consensus or not, who is likely to be the teams that do it to Alabama?
1: Well, I mean, I just, I just said that uh, – so they're, they've got their five remaining games. They, they go to Kentucky. Then they go to Ole Miss. Uh, then Kentucky, they – Kentucky Florida? Uh, then yeah then they host uh, Tennessee then they go to Florida and then they host Arkansas so at at Kentucky this weekend hosting Tennessee and at Florida are the three losable games they will not lose to Arkansas Ole Miss is going to be desperate to get a win I just don't think Ole Miss is that good they're one of the teams that got pumped up by a week non-conference and their record's pretty good, but they've just not beaten anyone of consequence. So I'd be surprised if it was Ole Miss, even though it is in Oxford. So, yeah, again, I think you've got the three-game window of at Kentucky, host Tennessee, and at Florida. So two of those are road games. You'd probably be, be banking on the two road games, but also Tennessee is a team that uh, one of the two teams that's beaten Alabama in conference play.
3: All right, you know, real quickly, every game from here on out for us matters, obviously. Yes. Uh, not many, To me, not so much about Tennessee uh, – you know, championship, but more about seeding. So what is the likelihood, guys, that we lose no more than one game?
1: More than one game? I think it hinges on the Georgia game. I I, I do not see Auburn losing uh, in March here in the regular season. Again, those three games for Auburn, it's it's host Mississippi State. Okay, that's a decent program, but it is in Neville Arena. Uh, Then they go to Missouri. It's a road game, yes. Missouri is the worst team in the SEC. Um, and then they host Georgia. So I, I like the two home games, and then I like Auburn to be able – it might be uncomfortable, I can't promise you they'll whip Missouri, but I, I like Auburn to figure out how to beat the worst team in the SEC. So I like them going 3-0 in March. So really it just hinges on this Georgia game because I do think Auburn will lose at Tennessee. So uh, it, it depends on this Georgia game, and if they can get through not having Jalen Williams, they can get through – a Georgia team that's still kind of hovering. They're not in the tournament, but if they got hot, maybe they could work their way back on the bubble. Uh, you know, they got this is going to be a, a tricky one because Auburn is better than Georgia, but you're without Jalen Williams and you're on the road, and, and Georgia does not just lay down for Auburn at home. So uh, it really hinges on this game this weekend.
3: And seeing that just real quickly, guys, you know, explain to me again, how does a team who doesn't – I'm pretty sure confident saying that they don't have the talent of uh, players that Auburn has and yet – they managed to beat Kentucky, and we couldn't do it.
1: Uh, talking about Georgia beating Kentucky? I mean, again,
3: because – No, no, I mean, she winning last night uh-oh. and beating Kentucky. Uh, they don't have to tell uh, players that we do and, and we couldn't do it, and they did it.
1: Because, Steve, can, this is basketball. And it's not solely about talent every single night. If you play it out over a period of time, it would be. You played it out over seven, eight, nine, ten games, whatever. That's why they do it. That's how they do it in the professional ranks. But that – Again, this is why upsets happen, because ultimately, no matter how fast you are, no matter how high you jump, that ball has to go through the basket. And Auburn shot as bad as they could have against Kentucky. They made absolutely nothing. It was a complete counter opposite to what they did against South Carolina, where they could not miss anything. And sometimes in the sport of basketball, it happens. And it doesn't matter how talented you are. It doesn't matter how consistent you are. Steph Curry is the greatest three-point shooter of all time. He goes one of ten from time to time. Like, it, it is unfortunately it is what happens in this game. There are far more variables to basketball and to baseball than there are to football. So, uh, yes, Auburn's better than LSU. And Auburn would beat LSU plenty of times out of ten. Um, but and, and Kentucky's better than LSU. But on that night, LSU, unlike Auburn, LSU did not put up – a new home a bricks, and they were able to make enough shots, make a play late there that they needed to make, and um, and it worked out for them. But but again, Auburn, we we all saw it. Auburn generated some healthy looks from three. Uh, they generated some of some good offense after a little bit later in the clock, after some initial good Kentucky defense, and they made nothing. And they they turned the ball over in transition a few times, and again, we, that's well documented. So uh, again, that's the that's the one single outcomes that can happen in sport of basketball.
3: Okay, and finally, guys, I'll leave you with this. On this day in 1980, the U.S. hockey team, Miracle on Ice, beat the Soviets. And the reason it's so astounding is that this team was made of nothing but college, college uh, hockey players. They, they weren't professionals. And even more dramatic is that until then, the Russian team had won four four gold medal mm-hmm. uh in, in hockey they had lost since 1968 yeah. and they did it they did it
1: one of the great upsets and one of the great calls of all time for sure
3: yeah i enjoy I saw it a lot all right guys have a safe afternoon thank you for your time my time is way up and we'll do this again tomorrow war eagle to then
1: war eagle c appreciate that phone call that is retired word steve joining us on our orthopedic clinic phone line we are going to take one final time out Here in hour number one, back to wrap up the first hour. Again, reminder that we are off air at 4.30, so if you want to get your calls in to 334-887-3401 or toll-free 1-889-TIGER9, you got until 4.30 to do that. Today, Sports Call returns after this timeout.
0: Please. Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? We're Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. Hi, my name is Hi. My name is My name is is Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. This is Philip Lolly, former Auburn Tigers football
3: assistant coach for the 2010 National Championship team, and you are listening to Sports Call.
1: Back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy and Brooks Childress with you. T.P. Hammock hanging out, running on the board, taking your phone calls for a few more minutes. Again, reminder, getting off air at 4.30 today. Borgard High School softball coming on air just shy of 5 o'clock for our first broadcast of the Lady Hornets on the softball diamond. So that's coming up again just prior to 5. You will hear T.P. Hammock on the call. That one with Tim Sin. And the guys so that's why we're getting off air at 4 30 today we will have a full show tomorrow steve brought up in that phone call something we did want to get to with Jalen williams again if you did not hear the news uh, Jalen williams will be traveling with the team to athens on saturday but he will not be playing no surprise there they feel that they're going to get a better timetable for his return after the game on saturday now obviously Again, I, I can see Mississippi State challenging Auburn and Neville Arena. I really would not expect that from Georgia. And I don't, uh, even though it's a road game, Auburn would surely try to have their ducks in a row, row from Missouri. So, in my mind, I'm not going to tell you, oh, I don't, it becomes no big deal at all once he misses the Tennessee game. But really, if Jalen can't come back for that Tennessee game, which I think at this time is very unlikely that he does, I'm not going to say you won't miss him because again you need 13 14 points a game you need his veteran leadership you will need him to make any sort of run in the sec in the ncaa tournament so you need him there but in terms of the wins and losses in the regular season in march i don't think it'll be a big impact where i think that uh will become more relevant is getting him a game in the regular season so that he is not so rusty when it comes to the sec tournament, in the ncaa tournament because if you miss three weeks of basketball I guess almost four by the time you play the SEC tournament and then you are one and done. And then you have to hop right into the NCAA tournament. Okay. That's not a lot of basketball for him. And, and you do need the good version of Jalen Williams to make this run. As we've talked about, he's not had like people get hung up on consistency. I get it. Some people or most players do not have the consistency you want them to have. And, and Jalen's had five, six, seven games this year where he's not played well. And those have typically been their losses. Well, that means he's playing well 15, 20 times this year, and that's your wins. So he's obviously a really big part of what you do, and when he's successful, you're successful, and when he's not, you're not. So if he's not in there, then you have a lower probability of being successful because he is a successful player more times than not. So this is still a loss for them, but if they don't get him back for the Tennessee game, I wouldn't be too worried beyond that point for wins and losses. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Um, and, you know, that was – that brings up what I was uh, – I had a thought uh, is even if he's healthy, you may want to hold him out so he's a little more rested. I do think you wouldn't get him a game before the, the SEC tournament, though. So, if, you know, if, if you were – you know, if, if he doesn't go through the Tennessee game, again, I, I'm in the same boat. I don't think the, the Mississippi State game, the, the Missouri game, or the second Georgia game are too much of a worry, obviously, you know, we've, we've talked to Steve all, all the time. we talked to callers all the time about anything can happen in the sport of basketball. Uh, Kentucky went down and lost a road game to an LSU team that they probably didn't have any business losing to last night. Uh, and so th- stuff like that can happen, especially on the road. But this Auburn basketball team should be able to win a Mississippi State of Missouri and a second Georgia game without Jalen Williams. I think, though, if, he, if he's healthy, I think maybe you consider – and you know, keep having him on the bench. Maybe if you, you know, if, if you get him into, if you get into a situation, gets a Mississippi State or Missouri, and you're like, we need him, throw him out there, and get him, get him out there during in the middle of the game. But I, I would be more, I would be apt to maybe hold him out and let him come back, and that in that Georgia game for Senior Day and to have a tune-up, one tune-up game before you hit that SEC tournament the next week, because it's, and it wouldn't be, and again, it's not about that, I think he needs to be there to beat Georgia, I think it, like what you said, you just, you want to get him into a, get him back playing at least one live basketball game against somebody that's not your scout team before you get to SEC tournament play.
1: Well, and also for the kid, too, I mean, he is a senior, that would be his senior day, and uh, it's always very meaningful to play that game. So I think the moral of the story is if he can play the Tennessee game, you absolutely would love and need to have him out there. But if it's where, oh, he might be able to rush back for the Mississippi State game or the Missouri game, at that point okay, you don't need to rush. It's, it's 100% or, or, or come back uh, or, or wait till you come back to 100% there. So uh, I think that, uh, I think that part of it for him, is once that Tennessee game is, is beyond us, you're just trying to make sure he's ready to go for the SEC tournament. And I still think the best way of doing that, as you also said, uh, is to make sure you get in at least one regular season game and preferably that senior day game against Georgia. We are out of time for the first hour of the show again, coming up in hour number two. Uh, a, a, only a half hour in hour number two. So we'll get to more of your phone calls on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line and show ending at 4.30 today. We'll be back right after this timeout on this Thursday edition of Sports Call.
0: One hour of our show is in the books. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the Plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call.
1: Second and final hour of Sports Call starting right now. Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. Brian LaVoy and Brooks Childress with you here for the last half hour as again, Beauregard High School softball will be starting up late in the hour. Uh, so we're getting off air at 4.30 today. We will have a full show tomorrow for you. Uh, and on tomorrow's show, we will definitely be uh, getting more into the Auburn basketball preview of Georgia. also look ahead to Auburn baseball coming up over the weekend, uh, which we can do a little bit of that right now, too. Um we, we had a great interview with Lindsey Crosby yesterday. If you missed that, go check it out. The Sports Call podcast presented by Coca-Cola, available wherever you may get your podcast. A Great breakdown of the weekend ahead. Again, two ranked teams for Auburn baseball coming up, including the Iowa game, which is going to be tomorrow, right around 5 o'clock, Brooks. I know that uh, Auburn is going to start the same three arms they did this past weekend. An interesting opportunity. I mean, uh, joseph also the, maybe the most established of the three will have the the weakest opponent in theory with wichita state uh and we're going to see what uh what these guys have to offer when they have their first two ranked opponents of the year
2: the four teams down there have a combined record of 10 and 2 over the first part of the season that means only two games have been lost among everybody wichita state's lost one of them Iowa's lost one of them uh virginia's coming in 4-0 auburn's coming in 4-0 to this tournament it is a it's it's a it's a very unique opportunity. Um, we I mentioned uh, that we got to hear from Butch Thompson and several players earlier before they uh, started their travels down to Jacksonville today. Um, it is uh, and talked about how this is a the type of um, the the type of uh, environment that one gets you ready for SEC play. Uh, because when when you look at teams like Iowa and Virginia, these are the best competition that you're going to see outside of SEC play this year. Um, Iowa's got a pitcher that is going to go throw tomorrow, Brody Brecht. Uh, I hope that's what I'm, I'm that's his name uh, correctly, but he's from Iowa, so I don't know if he's listening to Sports Call this afternoon to get to to uh, see if I got it right or not. Uh, but he is uh, the big preseason Big Ten pitcher of the year, has a cur- or not curveball. That would be impressive if he had a 100-mile-per-hour curveball. Um, I
1: hope not, yeah.
2: It is a 100-mile-per-hour fastball is what he can hit, uh, and it's uh, it's going to be a, a very tough test. Uh, for, for this Auburn team to go out next uh, tomorrow night. Um, Wichita State's sending Tommy Lepore out. He's got one start of the year, or he's, he's had one appearance on the year. He's nine, uh, 9 ERA, so that, again, in theory, should be your easiest uh, game of the weekend. And then Virginia has not yet announced a starter for Sunday. Auburn, of course, starting Carson Myers, who had a, a stellar outing um, on Sunday in his Auburn debut uh, so we'll see what, the, what a top 10 Virginia team throws out there. But if it's a top 10 Virginia team, you can pretty much bet that their Sunday starter is, gonna be a, a, is still going to be a, a pretty good pitcher. Um, it's, it's a chance, and both and, uh, Coach Thompson and, uh, and the players uh, both said today that this is what they kind of look for. You know, we, we, in the past years, we've seen uh, Auburn go out to Round Rock for a tournament. We've seen them go to Arlington for a little tournament and this is, this is the type of play that has helped them to achieve those, uh, those two back-to-back host uh, uh, hosting for regionals. Um, the, the Tigers uh, and, and the players specifically t- spoke about this last year. They had a road trip planned, if, if folks will remember, to USC. Uh, that, game, that series got moved to Auburn because of weather out there in Southern California, And then and they said that's one of the big reasons that, you know, you went on the road that first week SEC play your first road test, your first true road test um, outside of, you know, some of those the the game Montgomery and the game in Huntsville that you went on the road to Arkansas and you kind of got your you know, you got it handed to you out there. And and so they said, you know, they were like, we're not we weren't ready to uh, for road ball. We weren't ready to really ready to play, you know, in, in, you know, getting the hotel situation, be away from from our home, home ballpark for an extended amount of time and they talked about how the you know those trips to Arlington in the last few years uh, they were uh, really really helpful in doing that because you're there for the whole weekend it's a, it's a different environment and so I think that's what you're really looking for this weekend you know it's whether you know in Butch Thompson said it you could come out of this three and O and not have a season you want you could come out of this weekend 0 and three you could lose all three games. And have a you know have end up you know in another host position uh, at the end of the year. It's this weekend is not going to define the the rest of the year, uh, and I think most people know that. But it is a chance to test yourself early against some of the top competition that you're probably going to end up seeing the likes of when it comes to uh, an NCAA tournament later on in the season.
1: Here's my unknown amount of times per week update on. Uh, who all was surprising that they lost in college baseball last night? Uh, no ranked teams, so that was good. However, SEC, Ole Miss lost at home to Arkansas State, 4-2. to And uh, something was really wrong with Mississippi State already. They lost to Austin P again, 13-10, to so they lost back-to-back games to Austin P. That was a much shorter list than the day before, but uh, just to remind you of the sport of baseball because at some point Auburn – and everyone will lose a game that they're not expecting to. And, again, I think that was perfectly encapsulated with Wake Forest losing to UNC Greensboro the other day as the number one team in the country. So uh, that sort of thing will happen. But I am excited to see this Auburn team in action this weekend. And we'll talk a little bit more about them uh, tomorrow as they get set for ranked opponents against Iowa on Friday, Virginia, on Sunday. I uh, want to ask you, Brooks, while you're here, you will not be on the show tomorrow. I want to, in the event, we talk a little Braves tomorrow, maybe th- for the first time, uh, give you the opportunity to, again, express your excitement that uh, Braves baseball is coming back this weekend. And uh, anything of note for you as uh, spring training starts in terms of anything that you're keeping a particular eye on with the Braves or anything you're curious to see, uh, any of these stars, how they play in the spring or any roster decisions Braves got to make, just anything that you're keeping an eye on with Braves spring training?
2: Um, well, uh, you know, you can take what you want from spring training. Uh, it's it's a different um, it, it's a different animal than what, what it's going to be. I, I think there's uh, I, I want to see a few of the prospects. I want to see you know because we've seen that in the past few years, especially with Alex Anthopoulos, where you've got some guys that maybe not start the year with the ball with the with the major league club, but they get called up fairly quickly into the season. and They end up having an impact on the year. I want to see if there's anybody. Uh, that maybe has that kind of uh, chance, to, that kind of opportunity to to do that here for the Braves if if needed. Um, something else that I'm I'm really uh, really looking at is this how this rotation is going to sh- uh, shake out for the for the Braves because you've got you've got Max Freed, Spencer Strider, Charlie Morton, Chris Sale, Bryce Elder, uh, Ronaldo Lopez, and A.J. Smith Shaver who are all guys that are going to be competing for those five spots. Um, and you know, obvi- I, I think that with you know, with you're you're obviously going to put Max Fried in there. I think you're obviously going to put Strider, Morton, and Sale. It's going to be that third position. Does do they go back to Bryce Elder? Do they have AJ Smith, shaver It's it's going to be a very very interesting, uh, uh, very very interesting uh, work this spring to see who gets that number five spot in the in the uh, in the rotation. Uh, hitters, you know, it's it's. Not really a, a you know there's there's not really a lot of questions. this this lineup is basically almost the same as it was last year. Uh, you know it, it's it's gonna be an interesting um, to see uh, what what all uh, what uh, you know I, I'm, I'm gonna be interested to see what the division is between the left field duties between Jared Kelenic and Marcelo Zuna because you saw Ozuna out there. Uh, uh, a bit last year in in left field. I think the signing of Kalanick is going to limit that even more. I don't think you're going to see Ozuna in there as much. But I want to know what the what the difference is is uh, how how often uh, are you going to see maybe a, a, an Ozuna go out there to give somebody else a, an off day or quote unquote an off day maybe, uh, a chance to uh, do to do some DHing there. Uh, how often you you move guys around a little bit. What what type of outfield combinations. You, you may try to cook up here in in the spring. So it's you know the the Braves they're you know bringing back a lot. Um, obviously the pitching is going to be a, a huge question after you know getting uh, you know a, a disappointing into last year um, for for the Braves. And so if if they can come out and as, at the start of the year you know after spring training's done and and get to a good start because. You look at that schedule to start things off. You're playing the National League champions and the American League and the American League slash World Series champions in the first two weekends of the year, three weekends of the year, somewhere around there. Um, that's not a that's not a, a very easy schedule to go in there when you're, you're facing the Dbacks and the and the Rangers really right off the bat. And so, where if the Braves can pick up pick up uh, where they left off the regular season, uh, because this is one of the best lineups uh, in baseball outside of maybe the Dodgers.
1: Yeah, and look, as far as Ozuna, because that's, that's something I want to see in spring training is how much they try to play him at first um, to give give Olsen a breather um, from playing first. Olson's always going to be the lineup. And then to see if there's another outfielder that can emerge in particular, because if you look at the roster, really? I think they need another outfielder. I, I don't think Azuna can play left field anymore, period. I don't think he could play left field last year. And he, he really didn't much. Uh, he did a little bit the year before. Um, but he's just – he can't move. I mean, he he's a bear, and the acceleration's not there, and he has no arm. Uh, his arm is jello now. So uh, he can't play left field. And if you look at their roster, they've got Acuna Harris and Kellenick are going to be – the main three guys um they they have Forrest wall who was more of a pinch runner but uh was an outfield
2: option for him last year um I think that you did get uh the JP Martinez in that trade with the Rangers he's yeah in, but I, I don't know how much he would factor in there either yeah I mean I just I don't
1: I could be wrong but I mean I I don't I don't know him too well i I don't think that he would be A huge get i mean maybe he's your new kevin pilar i know kevin pilar is not back um but i i i really think that they could have used another outfielder and even still i'll tell you that jp martinez is left-handed um and i think with him i mean again he's only got uh i'm double checking to make sure yeah he's only got 40 career mlb at bats we really don't have any idea what he will be as a hitter um he's left-handed too uh they moved on from rosario obviously he was lefty but Okay, you got Harris, Kalanick, Martinez, and Forrest Walt. They're all left-handed. And I would tell you that you could probably stand to get a right-handed outfielder to be the reserve there. And, again, I'd, logically, I just don't think that, that Ozuna is, is got anything left out in the outfield. And so I'll tell you again, I said this name a few weeks ago. We brought up some of the names that were not yet free agents. I'll, I'll say it again. Adam Duvall needs to be a Brave again. But that's, that's – that is the signing that the Braves need to make. Uh, they need to sign Adam Duvall, someone that is very familiar with that clubhouse and that dynamic, uh, who is a right-handed guy that can play left or right field. He might even still be able to play center. He could a couple of years ago. I'm not going to promise you the athleticism is still there enough to play center, but he can at least play both corner outfield positions. And is, again, a righty to compliment. If Kellnick is just hitting like 150 against lefties and he's just not doing a, a darn thing, it would be nice to have a right handed bat to put in there. That's why Kevin Pillar was the right move for uh for a reserve outfielder last year. So I think that's what they lack. Duvall is still available. I don't know what kind of what kind of money he's looking for. Obviously at his age, he's not gonna be getting a multi-year contract with the status of how contracts work in Major League Baseball. But uh, I think it's worth four or five, six million, whatever to to sign him to be your fourth outfielder and be a guy that again, and there's also chance Kellnik, we don't know. He could just not be that good, period. He's still a little young into his career. He started to figure it out in Seattle, but uh, fortunately the Braves have gotten most people to figure it out once they've become a Brave, but there's a world where he's not that good, period, uh, and that he is disappointing. So I would want some more outfield insurance because Marcel Azuna, he (laughs) he might have a gold glove in his past, but it ain't in his future. And um he cannot play the outfield uh, well anymore and and look you want him in the lineup for the DHing? Absolutely. He was awesome last year as a hitter, but uh after looking like he was gonna be over with, but um I, I think they need another outfield up. So I'm gonna be interested to see because this is just on their 40 man. We don't know all the guys that will actually go to camp, but.
2: I was going to say, I've, I've got four <clears> four outfielders on their non roster. Okay, right go ahead now. give them to me. Yeah. Uh, so one lefty is Luis Liber, uh, Liberato. Okay. Uh, with with the Padres. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, a switch guy, what, a switch hitter, bat, right thrower, Lurie Garcia from the, the White okay. Sox. Yeah,
1: he has been on. Yeah, he was on the White Sox. Okay. Uh,
2: a righty, righty, uh, brave uh, Eli White. And then a righty-righty... Uh, he's been in their organization. Uh, former yep. twin, Jordan Luplo.
1: Okay, he is right-hand. Okay, I thought he was lefty for a second. Yeah. Okay, so those are their options, I guess. And so they are going to uh, decide on those guys. I still, I will tell you without even needing to think twice, Adam Duvall is better than those guys. Um, I don't know, if, again, if, what, if Duvall is wanting a, a bigger role. I, again, I don't know. At this stage in the game, though, if it's this late... I don't know if beggars can be choosers. <laughs> um, I know Tim Anderson signed today with Miami, and he was a guy three years ago anyone in the league would love to have. And now he might be broken. I don't know, uh, but for one year, five million worth a shot for if you're Miami. But I, I think that the Braves could use a right-handed outfield replacement. So yeah, those guys. Okay, those guys will be vying for it, but um, we'll, we'll we'll see how they. Doing in the spring and that's probably what i'm looking forward to
2: i was about to say i you, I, I was looking at some of these uh current i went to mlb.com and looking at the free agents by position there's some familiar names that the that are out there for or at least for the braves that uh would be uh that are unsigned right now uh eddie rosario is still out there robbie grossman is still out there um adam duvall as you mentioned still there billy hamilton is uh is not under contract right now uh some of
1: those guys lefties though again i really would like a righty
2: um tommy Pham <clears> <throat> is still available okay michael Brant well michael brantley retired uh cory dickerson is still out there aj pollock austin meadows uh cody bellinger is he did he sign no him? he's cody still bellinger but still yeah out there.
1: He, that's one of the weirder ones because i there Jim. was linkage to him and the braves but then the braves made the Kalenic trade and and that's why it's so and and all those bigger guys didn't make any any more sense because I mean they the Braves brought Kalanick in to start in left field mm. and to be the guy more days than not. So, you're really looking for someone to compliment that. And I just thought that Deval's uh, elder age he would be more likely to do that. Bellinger is going to get a starting role somewhere, and I and he just had a great year. So, I, is he a, is is Scott Boris his agent? I am not going to be surprised if it is because Boris probably told him he can get like some absurd six for 150 or something after the year he had last year it's like yeah maybe it should be more like three for 30 (laughs) or or something like that uh
2: the agents Uh is the boris corporation yeah
1: yeah it is uh i bet you the biggest names on there are all scott boris clients um and there's been some pieces out in recent days about uh is he ruining free agency and in baseball and, and that sort of thing so uh as as intimate as you are with the name jimmy sexton in the college coaching world uh if you are a a major league baseball guy you are aware of scott boris uh and and uh all the players he represents in major league baseball so we'll get more into braves and spring training and previews of the season in the coming days and weeks but uh just wanted to go ahead as spring training is literally starting today and for the braves it starts i believe saturday uh, once it started to get into that, just a little bit right there, we're going to take one final timeout here in this Thursday edition of the show again, a shortened show that will wrap up right after this timeout.
0: Want to join our conversation? Tweet us your thoughts on Twitter at SportsCallAU. Now back to the multi-time Abbey Award winning Sports Call.
1: Welcome back to Sports Call Tiger ninety five point nine. Ryan Lavoy and Brooks Childress with you here. Final couple minutes already of the show today. Again, Borgard High School softball coming up in just a few minutes. Glad that it's a. I'm glad that high school is usually earlier, four or five o'clock, or else could be some rain getting in the area late tonight. So glad they're going to get that one in. Um, But uh, that's coming up here in just a few minutes. So we're getting off air here in a couple of minutes. Uh, we'll have a full show tomorrow, full show Monday. I think our next short show will be Tuesday one to two times each and every week from here till the end of high school sports season. Uh, we will likely have a shortened show. We'll always try to keep you off the date on that. Again, final couple minutes of the show this afternoon, so time for a nightly TV guide. Our show is about to end, but we've got you covered on entertainment for the evening. Here's Sports Call's nightly TV guide. The nightly TV guide, as always, presented by White Claw Heart Seltzer. Brooks, what do we
2: have? Unfortunately, we don't have any baseball on TV tonight, uh, unless you go into the weeds and you find some streaming stuff online. No movie picks for you either this evening. There's a lot of sports, a lot of basketball. You did that yesterday. I did. Uh, We're we're getting into. There's a lot of the more important basketball going on this time of year, so more of that college basketball action for you tonight. We'll start things off six o'clock on ESPN uh, two. You've got SMU taking on Florida Atlantic. Also six o'clock FS one Rutgers visiting number three Purdue. Six o'clock ESPNU. Radford visits Gardner Webb. And then late-night college basketball tonight in the men's on 8 o'clock ESPN2, Washington, Arizona State. 8 o'clock FS1, Michigan visits Northwestern. And at 8 o'clock ESPNU, Troy visits arkansas state uh nba or nhl is uh back tonight six o'clock espn the capitals visit the lightning uh one game on that network tonight the nba is back from the all-star break tonight 6 30 on tnt it's the suns visit the mavericks follow that up tonight at nine with the lakers and the warriors a golden state showdown at the chase center uh women's college basketball action 49 8:30 on espn utah visits ucla nine o'clock some primetime golf the lpga tour on an asian swing the honda lpga thailand Round two is tonight. And, of course, Auburn women's basketball back in action tonight. 8 o'clock, the SEC Network. They visit number 13 LSU. Trying to get the season sweep over the, the Bayou Bengals tonight down in Baton Rouge. And that is your night the TV guy brought to my friends at White Claw Hard Seltzer.
1: Thank you very much for that, Brooks, and thank you for being here throughout the week. I hope you have a great rest of your week, man, and we'll see you again next week. I'll see you there. Again, that will do it for this shortened edition of the show. Coming up in just a few minutes, Borgard High School softball will get underway with our first broadcast of their season. We'll be back with a full three-hour show tomorrow. As always, we appreciate all those that tuned in and called in. For Brooks Childress, my name is Ryan LaVoy. Have a great Thursday night, and we'll talk to you again tomorrow.